Good morning, church. It's a beautiful day outside. The sun is shining, and it's warm in here, too, so I'm going to invite you to just stand as we worship our only King forever this morning.
remember this, that Satan kill comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but God. You see, the joy of the Lord is our strength, amen? my sorrow and I'm trading my shame and I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord I'm trading my sickness and I'm trading my pain and I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord come on sing it if you know it Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. I am pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse, for his promise will endure, that his joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes in the morning. Come on, church. I'm late, my sorrows, and I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness, and I'm trading my pain and I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. We're singing yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes. Come on, church. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Hey, that felt good. Let's do this one more time. Hallelujah. We're singing yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. I am crushed, but not crushed. Hallelujah. I am pressed, but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse, for his promise will endure, that his joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes in the morning. I'm trading my sorrow, and I'm trading my shame, and I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. the joy of the Lord. Come on, I want to do this softly now. Come on, go with me. We're singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Come on. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Come on, let's sing it with all that we have. He's worthy to be praised. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord. Amen. He is worthy to be praised. Good morning. How you doing? Why don't you have a seat? It's good to be with y'all. Missed you last week. It's crazy April Wisconsin weather is awful. But how many of you know that last song that we just played? Remember your favorite? I gotta tell you, like one of the joys of being up here sometimes is watching your pastor just get all excited and goofy. He's like in heaven, so it's fun. So <laughs> It was good. I'm going to invite somebody up to the stage. Uh, Sydney, why don't you come up and talk about trading our sorrows. And for those of you that don't know Sydney, she's uh, one of our students in Rush. It's our youth group. We partner with Crossroads Community Church, and we do youth group together. So on Wednesday nights, we typically have about 250 students in here. It's chaos. It's crazy. Um, and there's balls flying. There's massive, not too many terrible injuries, but no, it's a lot of fun. But the, the, the crux of that is, is small groups, uh, because uh, small groups are where we can really connect with one another, and it's where we can get into each other's lives. And Sydney is part of a small group, and you were, we were talking just last night, um, but just, do you want to share with the congregation just some of the things that you see in your small group with, with the girls in there? It's just amazing to do life together with the other girls in my small group, but there are a lot of heartbreaking things that goes on when you're sharing your hearts with each other. And uh, one of the things that a lot of the girls in my small group have dealt with this past year for sure that they've shared about, it's been a lot of anxiety and depression. And it's, it's really awful to hear some of their stories that they share about their lives. I know a lot of them have a lot of tough family lives where they come from, where they just don't feel worth it in their families and to their parents. Their parents just want them to be successful, but they're not really proud of them for all that they are. They don't really show them that they love them a lot, and I think that's kind of the that foundation. If it's rocky at first, it sets them off in other areas of life as well. At school, they don't feel like they matter at all. They're, um, they have some issues with friends at school and uh I know there's a lot of trust issues and stuff in life, and it just sets them up where they're just uneasy because they don't know about the things that they're going to face in life. And so it's kind of sad to hear these girls talk about it, but it's nice that we're all able to connect with each other and try to help each other up. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in today's kids that a lot of us didn't have to deal with when not at the level that, that they are. I know one of Sydney's, one of her best friends, is, is she's, um, she cuts, um, and she has been in, in the hospital mm -hmm. because she was uh, looking at suicide as an option. Um, and as a friend, Sydney kind of comes from a different perspective, just kind of, what is that like for you, seeing a friend? It's just really, really heartbreaking. Um, this girl was... There's so many times where you could see her, and she's just full of life, but uh, Satan just can grab her and tell her that she's not, she's not worth it, and she, she believes it. And so these feelings in her head that she can't battle and she can't get rid of leaves her to do other things and try to take that escape by taking her own life away. And that's just how powerful they are. And she'll she'll cut to try to focus on the physical pain instead of the emotional pain that she's facing. And it's it's hard because I try to do everything I can to help her, but I'm I can't be her healer. Um, 
so it's just been really tough. I try to stand by her side and love her as much as I can, but it's just kind of devastating to watch her go through, and I can't do much to help her. But yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you for him. Um, I'll take care. Okay, thanks, Sydney. Yeah, she uh, she said that she can't be her healer, but we believe in a God who is a healer, and that's. Part of what we're going to be talking about today, Jesus Christ, our healer. And, you know, we can look at our situation, we can look at society and culture and see what is happening. And it can seem almost hopeless when, when you look at some of the things that are happening and you see the results of some of that being manifested in, like, mass shootings and things like that. But under the surface, there's so much more going on that a lot of our kids are struggling with. And I want to just take a time to pray right now for our students, for families, because a lot of this comes from brokenness in the families that are not broken already, that there's that element in there where they just feel disconnected, they feel like you're not worth anything. And I know even today, like some of us have grown up from families that have been like that, and it just kind of goes from generation to generation. So good to see you. You believe that Christ is our healer? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Benjamin Franklin wrote in a 1789 letter these words. Our new constitution is now established and has an appearance that promises permanency. But in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Nothing is certain except death and taxes. Well, it's April. Last Tuesday was tax filing deadline. How many of you have actually filed your taxes? How many of you have already received your refund? Wow. How many of you have had to pay in? Yeah, my hand's up too. The smart ones, right? We're not giving the government our money to... Okay. Anyway, it's a whole different topic. Nothing is certain in life except death and taxes, yet uh, today I offer another certainty and permanency. His name is Jesus, and he is eternal and he is all-powerful. For more than 130 years, the laser-sharp focus of the Christian Missionary Alliance, of which Michael spoke, has been the, the fullness, the completeness of Jesus Christ as expressed in the emblems of Christ our Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. In fact, every Sunday when you come to worship here at Southside, you walk right over this in the foyer. You wear that. This morning you walked right over that thing. Question is, what does it mean? What are those symbols? It means Jesus. That's what it means. The cross is the picture of Christ, our Savior. The pitcher of oil, Christ is our healer. Uh, the laver, Christ is our sanctifier. The crown, he is our coming king. And the globe then symbolizing our mission to the ends of the earth. And this morning, let's explore this wonderful truth that uh, Christ is indeed our healer. Uh, if you have sermon notes and like to follow along, I, I suggest you do. Uh, we didn't have enough room to put uh, all the scripture in here. And for further study, I highly encourage you to take notes. So uh, if you need some sermon notes, would you just kind of uh, raise your hand there? And our ushers will get you some sermon notes. Uh, those are available, by the way, when you come in, so you can actually self-serve if you'd like, but uh, if you choose this method, it works as well. So keep your hand up there nice and high, and uh, we're going to start. We've got a lot of scripture to cover. So if you're following along in your Bibles, uh, that's great. 
Otherwise, the uh, verses will be on the screen. Americans see a doctor on average four times a year. I see that hand. Corey, how many times have you seen the doctor this year? Once. Once. Okay. So understand, we as Americans see a doctor an average of four times a year. Now, some of you haven't been to a doctor in a long, long time, right? I won't ask for a show of hands, but I guarantee you they're male, okay? And uh, some of you kind of live at the doctor because you just love it there, right? And you've got good health insurance. But uh, health and health insurance and health care costs dominate much of our conversations, much of our conversations. I work out at the Y. There's a bunch of old guys there. And that is the topic of conversation. The next surgery, the surgery passed, what, whose wife is getting a surgery, who else is getting whatever. Uh, a lot of our time and talk uh, revolves around health, health care issues. The majority of prayer requests that come in on that blue card that many of you fill out week to week, the vast majority are for physical needs. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just an observation. But the vast majority of prayer requests are for physical needs. Now, a good portion of Jesus' time here on earth was dedicated to healing the sick. Read the Gospels. Much of what he did here, much of his time, dealt with healing. He healed all kinds of people from all kinds of stuff as we read of his works. The blind, the paralyzed, the lame, deaf, lepers, those who had fevers, other illnesses. Uh, He touched them all. In fact, there isn't any gospel record of Jesus turning away anyone who came to him for healing. Isn't that interesting? He didn't turn anyone away. But understand, he often healed to validate his claim that he was the Messiah and that he had a message of salvation, of hope for eternity. These then became a sign of the message that he came to give us. There is a Savior. There is a Messiah. He is Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus never changes because the Bible says so. He is the same what? Yesterday? Today and? That's correct. We believe that he still heals today. So let's fast forward. From the time of Jesus, let's jump about 2,000 years. A minister was holding a meeting with about 1,000 people present who received a prophetic insight. Some would call that a word of knowledge. That someone in this group of people was resisting the Lord. And so uh, he mentioned that. And a woman came forward and admitted she was the one. I am the one that's holding back here. And she had been severely ill for a long time. But she always struggled with coming forward for prayer. And so in this moment she came forward to receive prayer. He anointed her with oil, laid hands on her, and he prayed for her. Immediately she fell to the floor, seemed to be unconscious for about a half an hour. When she woke up, she was healed and without pain for the first time in 20 years. Now, does this sound like Benny Hinn or maybe Richard Roberts? No, the date was 1885. The minister was Dr. A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And one of the key elements of the birth of the Alliance was, in fact, uh, our stand on healing. It's kind of out there, kind of out there compared to many other groups. Uh, But we believe in the fullness of Jesus and that he is our healer uh, today. Now, here's what we believe. This is our statement of faith. 
A provision is made in the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ for the healing of the mortal body. Prayer for the sick and anointing with oil are taught in the scriptures and are privileges for the church in this present age. What does that mean? Well, let's unpackage this, okay? What are we saying by these words? We believe that Jesus died on the cross for all aspects of life, of human existence, spiritually and physically. And so we have to kind of tie the Old and New Testament together to do this. So theologically, here's where we're coming from. Isaiah was a prophet who lived about 700 years before Jesus arrived on the scene. And in Isaiah 53, there's a tremendous prophecy about the the coming Messiah, the suffering servant. Here's what Isaiah wrote 700 years before Jesus was around. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Now, some may say, well, that could be anybody in the Old Testament. Let's put it in context. How do you know it's Jesus? It doesn't say it's Jesus in Isaiah 53. But we go to the New Testament, and then we read this in Matthew's Gospel. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. So 700 years later, we link this together. Isaiah's prophecy with words recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. That on the cross, Jesus in fact took upon himself not only our spiritual needs, but also our physical needs. The epicenter is the cross. So, let's look to his word this morning for more understanding. Where does sickness come from? What are the ultimate causes of sickness? Well, let's personalize it. The devil, Satan, all right? It all kind of, if, if we're going to go to one bad guy, he's the ultimate bad guy, right? So let's blame the devil, right? It, it is Satan. Now, it, it's intriguing in, in the book of Job, God and Satan get into this dialogue about Job, who is this really cool guy who loves God and does what God says. And he's blessed because of his obedience. And so Satan says, ah, okay. Uh, yeah, he, he's a pretty cool guy, but let me have a crack at him and watch him crumble. So we pick up this dialogue between Satan and God, which is kind of fascinating, in Job chapter 2. Skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones. He will surely curse you to your face, God. <laughs> the Lord said to Satan, very well then, he's in your hands, but you must spare his life. God always sets the boundaries, by the way. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. You think Job's having a bad day? Like, where'd this come from? I wake up and I got this ah, stuff all over my body, right? And it hurts. It hurts. Did Job know what was going on? No, this was happening in the heavenlies. This incredible dialogue between God and Satan, right? I'll show you his heart and his character. Well, let's put him to the test. He afflicts him with these sores all over his body. Jesus said, Should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free? Who had her bound? Satan. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So, uh, that's not the Lord, by the way. Okay? 
So if we then take Satan, okay, he, he's responsible for some sickness. Let's broaden the lens just a bit. And let's talk about sin. How many think sin causes sickness or can cause sickness? Okay. What does the Bible say? When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Right? Everyone sinned. For all have sinned and fall short. Where's that found? Romans 3.23. Very good. So, oh, we learned from Scripture right off the bat that when Adam sinned, it took us all down. Boom. Sin entered the world, then death. There wasn't death before that, and with death, sickness came as well. All right? Now, humankind was now subject to disease, sickness, illness, deterioration, death, We're just all falling apart as we get older, right? That's part of the curse. The sin that separated us from God was a source of all this nastiness that's happening that ultimately results in sickness and finally in death. Hmm. One day, sin and sickness will be no more. You looking forward to that day? Yeah, me too. We fast forward the end of the book. Revelation 21, there's 22 chapters, but when Revelation 21, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Sound pretty good to you? (laughs) Sign me up for that one, right? But in the meantime, we're stuck here, right? In this place. Where we got the devil, we got sin because we're all sinners, and what do we do with this stuff? Let's keep plotting. What are some natural causes of sickness? There are natural causes. Would you give me that? Yeah, it's not all super spiritual necessarily. Uh, Hey, we got bugs and stuff. We got bugs and stuff. They're everywhere. They're nasty. Would you wash your hands? Please. Viruses, bacteria, parasites, disease, lack of rest, improper diet, stress, all this stuff, right? Some of that stuff make you sick? Huh, okay. Now, in the Old Testament, God gave Israel many health rules, right? Quarantine, sterilization, washing, diet. Just read the book of Leviticus sometimes. Say, what is all this stuff? Why do you have to do it in this manner? That's weird. That stuff's weird. Why isn't the Bible? Why isn't the Bible? You ever thought about that? Why is that in the Bible? Now, these principles provided for some pretty common sense, basic hygiene stuff, right? It works. It does work. But well beyond that, all of these rules and regulations that are in the Old Testament are pictures of the spiritual health that comes from being separated from sin. If we do things God's way, if we separate from sin and separate unto God, which we'll be talking about next week when we talk about Jesus Christ as our sanctifier, right? If we do it God's way, he's going to bless us. So it's more than common sense hygiene kind of stuff. This is a picture to the rest of the world that if you're going to follow God, if you're going to take the time to follow God, now stay with me here, it's a picture of the spiritual health that's going to come to you because you do follow God. Make sense? Stay with me. There are also psychosomatic factors. Dr. Blaine McLaughlin, director of psychiatry at Women's Medical College in Philly, says that 60 to 85% of all patients in doctor's offices have psychosomatic complaints. What's a psychosomatic complaint? Well, it's like this. Emotional factors, emotional factors like 
discouragement, fear, worry, anxiety, stress, anger, depression, all this nasty stuff that is a part of our lives results in physical problems. So if we're wrestling with all this stuff emotionally, ultimately, it's going to show up physically. That's psychosomatic illness. This means you are actually sick, but there's the core of this. There's nothing physically wrong with you. The basis of your sickness is emotional. Now, McLaughlin said that 60 to 85% of all patients in American doctor's offices are suffering from psychosomatic illness. Emotional illness turned physical. Now, the Bible also supports this idea. The cause is emotional. Daniel was given this incredible vision from the angel Gabriel, right? And it just kind of smacks him around. And so we read in Daniel, the vision of the evenings and mornings that has been given you, Gabriel says, is true, but seal up the vision for it concerns the distant future. Daniel's like, oh my goodness. So he said, I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days. Here it is. The weight of of what he was bearing was crushing him. It came out in physical illness. This is psychosomatic illness. It's very real, but understand the root. Okay? Just stretching you here. We're just laying some groundwork. Birth defects. We'll come back to John 9 in a moment. Birth defects are part of life. A man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful in Acts chapter 3. And I really like Exodus 4. Oh, man. Uh, Exodus 4, Moses had just given God his list of excuses why he can't do what God asked him to do. I can't speak. I'm not eloquent like my brother Aaron. Blah, 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 blah. I can't do this, God. And then God makes this really incredible broad statement. Man, and I've used this with parents. The Lord said to him, who gives man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? The Lord takes responsibility for birth defects because he's got a plan and a purpose that's way beyond our own understanding. But his shoulders are big enough. He takes full responsibility for these birth defects. He's working out something we can't see or imagine. I like God. He takes and owns what's his. And if he did it that way, who are we to question it? Accidents. Saul's son, Jonathan, had a son named Mephibosheth who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, whoops, she dropped him and he became crippled. And he was that way the rest of his life. Accidents happen in life, right? Yeah, they do. Okay. How about old age? I'm going to read this passage again. Oh, boy. Old age. Yes. Remember, God, when the light of the sun and moon and stars is dimmed, your old eyes and there's no silver lining left among the clouds. Your limbs will tremble with age. Your strong legs will grow weak. Your teeth will be too few to do their work. And you'll be blind, too. I can't wait. This is so right. I love this stuff. And when your teeth are gone, keep your lips tightly closed when you eat. Again, please do that. Would you just keep your mouth shut when you eat? Even the chirping birds will wake you up. It's getting earlier and earlier as the sun gets full. You'll be afraid of heights and of falling, white-haired and withered, dragging along without any sexual desire. You'll be standing at death's door. Oh, this is so uplifting. We could just read this forever, right? 
Sheesh. Healing also can be God's way of taking us home. Ultimately, we're all going to die. Sickness for a moment. But we're all going to die. Are you ready? Sometimes God says that's the ultimate healing. I'm going to take you home. And you're going to have a new body. Wow. Don't you look forward to that? No more glasses. No more insulin pumps. No more limp. One of the things that I'm going to miss, truly, that I discovered after moving back here from Thailand, and I'm wearing them now, elastic waisted pants. Oh, my goodness. They are so comfortable. They move with you. It's like a miracle. And you know what I found a couple of months ago? This belt. I, I had to buy a new belt. I only get one like every 10 years, right? This belt stretches too. <laughs> this is so cool. Elastic waisted pants. Ah, see, you didn't know I was wearing West, elastic waisted pants, did you? And you don't care either, but that's okay. I love them. I just love them. But when I get to heaven, I don't have to wear elastic waisted pants. Well, maybe I will. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to wait on that one, okay? I got to pray about that. All right. <laughs> Spiritual causes of sickness. All right, get serious, would you? Uh, correction. Sometimes God uses sickness to get our attention. Would you agree with that? Yeah. The Lord disciplines those he loves and understand correction is done in love. It's because he loves us that he corrects us. In a couple examples from scripture, the leprosy of Miriam, the anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, there, was, there stood Miriam, leprous like snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had leprosy and he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, do not hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Oh, this next statement is just disgusting. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. Sheesh. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, please heal her. It's because of the sin that this has happened. Heal her, Lord. Abuse of the Lord's Supper. Now this one strikes a little closer home. Anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup Paul wrote to the Corinthians, is really sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And we take that which is set apart for God, that which is holy and sacred, and start messing with it. Look at what the end of the passage says. He's writing to the church in Corinth. That is why many, not a few of you, that is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. God's not messing around with his stuff. He hasn't changed. And if we're kind of playing and tinkering with stuff, beware. There are consequences to that. That's why many of you, he writes to the church in Corinth, this wasn't a large church by any means. You're weak, you're sick, some of you have even died. Because you're messing with God. It's a warning for us. Sickness, at times, can be a result of correction. How about demonic invasion? Now, having served in various parts of the world, I believe strongly that there are demons. I know that. The Bible tells us there are. 
we in America downplay it to the point where uh, we, we kind of make it a cartoon character. <laughs> no. When the spirit saw Jesus, immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this from childhood? He answered, it was often it's often thrown him into the fire water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. <laughs> Everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him. Never enter him again. And he was healed. If we see one of the ultimate causes of sickness is Satan, his legions are there to continue the process and the work, and part of that is sickness. Now, I'm not saying it all is, but I'm saying a part of it is. How about mental illness? Mental illness. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he'd often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Understand, cutting is nothing new. It's been around since the beginning of recorded human history. This desperate attempt in our lives to make some sense out of life been around a long, long time. And that's a pathetic story as I hear this guy's voice crying out in the hills, cutting himself. And I believe all around Sheboygan there are people crying out, cutting themselves. So desperate for healing. How about glorification of God? Glorification of God. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi his disciples asked him, was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Boy, there's a good judgmental legalistic response. Was it because of his own sin or his parents' sins that he was born blind? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happens so the power of God could be seen in him. Isn't that profound? This is not a sin issue. It's about the glorification of God. And just like Job, this guy was just a piece on the board for something far greater than we could imagine. Nobody sinned here. This wasn't a sin issue, but he was born blind because he's in a sinful world, but God wanted to show that he was greater. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? What's the cure for our sickness? Well, the cure for our sickness ultimately is life. First of all is natural defenses. Natural defenses. You know, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Are you aware of that? The Bible says so. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. He's given us an incredible immune system. And understand, when we run to the doctor, and the doctor gives us medicine, it is never the medicine that cures us. Medicine doesn't fix you. Medicine simply enhances your own immune system to deal with the issue. It gives it a boost, and I don't care if we're taking vitamins or supplements or whatever it is, all of these, by design, are fitting into God's perfect design. He is the healer. All healing ultimately comes from Him. 
And you may say, oh, I'll take your antibiotics, you'll feel better. Yeah, you may, but that's because your own natural defense system, designed by God, by the way, is handling the situation. Jesus is our healer. Doctors are great. You know my story. I'm surrounded by doctors. Always have been, right? Doctors are great. Jesus is our healer. Let's not get that confused. But at times I grow weary of the body of Christ, Christians across this country running to doctors, everything that happens. Boom. Run to the doctor. Don't think about asking God about it. Got to go to the doctor. Got to go to the doctor. Right? Is it the doctor's going to heal you? Doctors don't heal you. Jesus heals you. He might use doctors in the process to make sure we get the cart and the horse in the right order. How about the supernatural life of Christ? There are times when God just decides, I'm going to touch someone. And it's miraculous, and it blows people's minds. And uh, I think, Todd, you, you would agree that uh, as we've been working with Cheryl O'Malley, uh, there was a moment when it got pretty dark, pretty dark in her situation. But all of a sudden, something turned, didn't it? Do you think that was an answer to prayer? I know you do. We talked about it this morning. The supernatural life of Christ here and now. I know this. I was blind and now I can see, he said. I do know this. I was sick and now I'm healed. Yeah. Yeah. So, before I conclude this message, I just want to ask if there's any questions you might have that are relevant. <laughs> What's a relevant question that pertains to the topic at hand? Okay. What we just talked about that's relevant. Okay. So any questions? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. Oh. And they like grab it. They don't seem like they can grab it. Right. And especially when they're well, like you said, they can see and they can. But we're so used to like yep. doctors like touching people and healing people. Yeah. And I think if I can summarize what you've said, uh, those that uh, work with kids or in environments where there's a lot of sick people, right? Uh, how can you avoid that? We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. We're kind of supposed to be separate from the world. Uh, let me say this. I, I think if we, if we look at church history in general, some of the brightest shining moments are when there were plagues and outbreaks and Christians stepped up to minister in the name of Jesus where everybody else would put them in institutions and asylums and try to get them away from everyone. I've been in a leprosarium, and when I see the love of Jesus taken into those dark places without any thought of the cost, that's where Jesus shines the brightest. But I also think that's an individual choice. And I know some people whose immune systems are just kind of really weak, and they're always getting sick because all those around them are sick. And I think you need to back up and ask God, you am in the right place at the right time. We don't fear sickness, right? If we're fearing sickness, that's the enemy's territory. 
And that's something that I honestly wrestle with from time to time. Right? And, and so let's use our head with that. But let's not shy away from the fact that people around us are going to be sick. Uh, my wife works in the health care. My son's a doctor. My brother's a doctor. When, yeah. Do they get sick because they're dealing with sick people? <laughs> Ask my wife about what she had this week. Yeah. yeah. Do I get concerned about that? Yeah, because ultimately I'm going to get it. I don't want that stuff. Right? But ultimately I've got to trust Jesus. I believe that Jesus is greater than any virus. Jesus is greater, greater than any parasite. Jesus is greater than any illness. And I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm not going to walk in fear. Okay? So that's a great question. Somebody else got a question? Anybody? Yes. Can I think of any scriptural passage in which fasting was coupled with healing? No, I can't offhand. Yeah. Yes, uh, I think fasting for health reasons is wonderful. Fasting for spiritual reasons is even better, right? Because there's secular fasts out there, cleansing, all that kind of stuff. Good for you. Okay, let's finish. God's prescription. Any of you suffering hardship, you should pray. Any of you happy, sing praises. Any of you sick, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer often in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. I believe this is God's prescription for the church going forward. We believe that healing is for the church Today, it wasn't something that passed away when the apostles did. We believe that Jesus never changes, and therefore, he works through the church. So let's look at this real quickly. The word sick here is different than the virus, the bug, the parasite, the flu, whatever. This word means without strength or literally weakness, weakness. So is anyone among you weak you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you and anoint with you with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, let me ask you this. I think every person in this room has a weakness. We are all weak in some way. And understand, when this word is used, it could be spiritual, physical, emotional, financial, relational. All of this is included in this one word, weak. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, we are all weak, right? We're all weak. So why don't we see more people coming forward to be anointed and prayed for? That's a great question. You were supposed to call for the elders. Why? Because they're so good looking? Because they know the Bible backwards and forwards? 
We got a great group of elders serving here at Southside. We really do, but it's not because of who they are. It's because of their appointment by the body of Christ and the way that he works. It's the office of elder. God has established elders in the local church, so it becomes a matter of submission. Some of us don't like that word. But God's the one that said it. I didn't design this plan, folks. This is the way he said it. And so you come in a very tangible way to those who have been given authority, spiritual authority, over the local congregation. You come to that group of individuals as a sign of your submission ultimately to the Lord. And so these men set apart for God's work are the ones who gather and pray. Now we don't know where that prayer of faith is coming from, but this is the way God set it up. And in that is confession of sin. Why do we ask that? Because we want to make sure that it works both ways. If there's sin involved, it can block the healing from coming. If there's sin involved, it may be the cause of why they're sick in the first place. So let's take care of that sin issue, the spiritual side of things, right off the bat. Are we confessed up to date? Now, ultimately, we're all sinners, correct? But we're talking about that one thing that we're holding on to that may be bringing the chastisement correction of the Lord or may hinder us from being healed as God intends. So we want to deal with that issue. We have to have faith. That's important here. Faith to believe. Faith is necessary. Absolutely necessary. But it's not faith that heals us. We do not believe in faith healing. We believe in Jesus healing. Faith is the channel by which the healing comes. And Jesus said with as little as a mustard seed, what would happen? The mountain would move. So it's not a matter of much faith you have or don't have. That's not the issue got just a tiny little bit god can do incredible things but faith is absolutely necessary anointing with oil what's oil oil in the old testament symbolizes the holy spirit paul would write that it's the holy spirit in romans who quickens our mortal bodies so we are submitting then to the holy spirit's will and desire in our lives when we are anointed with oil and then we must be claiming God's healing because faith has to be involved. Now, we believe the apostles continued the master's grace of healing, that the Bible teaches that healing would continue right up to this very day through the church. Jesus is still our healer. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Shortly after I became a follower of Jesus in my 20s, uh, Cindy and I took our infant son named Jeremiah uh, to the emergency room. I was only a couple of months as a Jesus follower. I didn't know any of this stuff, didn't get any of this stuff. But I knew my son had a very high fever for a number of days. So we took him in, and we sat down, got registered, waited for a doctor. I was praying fervently. And for those of you uh, new parents or first-time parents, you pray a lot for your kid. Number two, three, four, five of us, uh, maybe not so much, but anyway. The first one, uh, I'm just praying, oh God, my son's burning up here. Do something. I don't know about any of this healing stuff, right? So I'm praying there, and suddenly Jeremiah's a toddler, and he starts stirring. I thought, oh no, he's going to a seizure or convulsion or something. And he just starts kind of thrashing around, and he just, wow. So I unwrapped him and looked at him and he's just kicking because he wanted to get down and play. I thought, wow. 
So in that moment, God answered that prayer. We left without ever seeing a doctor. He was just absolutely fine. But God needed to show me that he is the Lord, that he can do anything. And that was a part of my faith journey as a brand new Christian to show that, God, you are all powerful. And how we need more of that in the church today. You see, the primary purpose of healing is to bring glory to Jesus, always to bring glory to Jesus. It's not primarily to meet my needs, to make me feel better, to take care of my boo-boo, relieve my pain. God, I want to be more comfortable. That is not the purpose of healing, not at all. The primary reason I want to be healed is because, God, I want to bring you glory. I want you to be exalted. And if something different happens if you have something else in mind i know that your grace will be sufficient and it will carry me through i know that because i've surrendered to you and even if i'm not healed i'm healed because ultimately you are in control it's about your glory and it's okay with me if i have to bear under this because i know you will take care of me through it but i'm going to still ask you god would you take this from me so that you might be honored and glorified jesus it's not about me and the fact that I don't feel good. Jesus, it's about you and your glory. And how can I bring you glory through this? So how do we respond? How do we respond? By doing what the Bible says. So I'm asking, if you sense that you are weak, and you'd like the elders to pray for you, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to head over here, where we've got oil. And we want to pray for you and with you and believe God to be glorified through your life and whatever that looks like. And like I said, we're all weak. I would expect everybody in this congregation to go over there. But I know that some of you are more concerned with the silent auction and getting your bid in. But what I'm saying is don't pass on this moment. Don't pass on the moment. If you sense, Lord, you know what? I've gone to doctors and I've run here and I've run there. I just want us as a church culture to get in the frame of mind that when we're sick, we take it to Jesus first. We don't go make it, oh, I've got to get in. I've got to get, I'm going to go to the walk-in clinic. I've got to go to urgent care. All those are good. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying, how about turn to Jesus first? And he might just have a different plan in mind. And you still might go to the ER. And you're going to be a light in the ER. But he's still the healer either way, right? So let's follow his instruction. Is any one of you weak? Let him call for the elders. And they will come and pray over you and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. He will make you well, as he intends. might not be what you think it might look like, but it's the way he wants. If you're in a position where you need a touch from Jesus this morning, I'm going to take just a moment. I'm going to let this soak in. I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat. Come on over here. Okay? So elders, why don't you make your way over there right now, uh, if you would. The elders will be there with oil to anoint. And I, I would love, the elders would love to see this be a, more of a part of our church culture here at Southside. That we are believing God in every part of human existence.
and that's to meet our physical needs as well, okay? So if the Lord's kind of tapping on your heart, and you know if he is or not, like, yeah, I should go over and, yeah, I'm, I'm weak. I, I need a touch from Jesus. You just come on over here. We'd be delighted to pray for you, okay? All right, so I'm done. It's been nice talking to you today, yeah, yeah. But I'm trusting the Lord to do a work in our midst that will bring glory and honor to Jesus. And we'll leave here praising him. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that fills my soul. He touched me, right? So if you bow your head, nobody needs to know who's moving around or who's not moving around. We'll give you some, some instructions in just a moment. But if you sense that need, I'd ask you just to come on up right over to this corner and we'd be delighted to pray with you. Otherwise, stay where you are.